Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Between Realities VR podcast. Ast, ast, ast. <laughs> it's pretty good. Why do we even have this stupid soundboard? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it is like, you know, we could put like a My Mom button on here, you know, yeah. other than that, like... I don't know. I feel like a lot of times the soundboard is not, um, well, it's not received as well as you podcast. might imagine. Okay. That or sounded something. pretty good. <laughs> that sounded pretty good. You're right. We, we could be better utilizing this, but you know, when it, when it comes to like the air horns yeah, and, the yeah, 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 and stuff, yeah. I feel like, uh, they're not as appreciated nah. as maybe I thought they would have been. Who cares? If you want to use them, go ahead. Thanks. Let you know. Oh, we, we, we lowered the volume of that quite considerably. Yeah, we did. Well, hey, everybody. Blowing your eardrums out. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Alex. I am one half of the Between Realities crew, and the other half is the other guy who's been talking. It's Skiva. What's up, Hey, dude? what's up, dude? How's it going, brother? All right. How are you? Doing good. Nice. You and I are sitting in the same room right we next are. to each other. We are in the same spacecraft. In the same spacecraft. Yes. Traveling at um, Mach ludicrous billion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're here. You know, maybe you're an audio listener and uh, you've never seen the show and you don't realize that Steve and I are here together right now, but that's what's oh, happening. We are. We are. We're, yeah. lu- we're lucky in that way. We are. Mm-hmm. We are. It's, it's wild to uh, meet a fellow VR nut right down the street and then... This yeah. happened. Did you know, like, three of the uh, guys on the Neos team are, like, right in a little, like, drivable area? They are? From yeah. each other? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, that's I so know. cool. That? <laughs> I want to be drivable distance from the Neos team. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Obviously, Jeez. they're not. They're nowhere near Frukes, but yeah, uh, yeah. they're close yeah. enough to, like, do things together. Well, that's cool, awesome. man. That's dope. Um, but, yeah, you Love know, those guys. we're on YouTube right now. It's live. It's Friday. It's... Uh, what is it? It's August 4th, 2023. Just the year absolutely being vaporized before our eyes. <laughs> For real? What the heck happened? Dude. It was just like New Year's 2023. It's going to be CES tomorrow. Like oh CES God. is going to be here in gotta, five seconds. start planning for CES like immediately. Literally. Yeah. Yes. Like literally. Yeah. It, Cause it takes like more oh. than a month sometimes. Yeah. To plan and if you're going to go to CES in January, let us know because we throw the craziest VR after party rager that you will ever attend he is not bluffing yeah it's literally the best vr party yes yeah we could start name dropping people but just take our word for it okay. <laughs> uh so anyway we're on youtube that's the place to see this uh you know we have a pretty awesome little setup here it's very um aesthetically uh advanced, <laughs> advanced. <laughs> thanks to skiva's uh skiva's help and contributions here <laughs> um but we uh do put this podcast up on on uh, spotify and itunes uh, itunes and all those places so mm-hmm. anchor listen or watch wherever <laughs> you want to listen and watch yep there uh, is even the video podcast on spotify as well so which yeah, is pretty cool mm-hmm. i do like that i personally love spotify by the way like i know that like artists i guess hate it because they like rip um, off artists. I guess they pay them like fractions oh, of a bummer. penny per per play and stuff. But oh. as somebody who used to download music as uh-huh. like the primary way for me to listen to something, the second I figured out Spotify was a thing, I immediately started paying for it. And I've been a paying oh. customer for like I just use YouTube Music and I can download all the music I want on there too. Yeah, which I guess mm. is, is similar. It's pretty much exactly the same. Is YouTube Music... <laughs> I know this is like getting off topic now, but is, is YouTube Music um, curated? Like, is it like Spotify where like it has to like, it's not like YouTube, right? You're not like listening to music on everybody's No, I don't know. I think, I think it's just kind of like sorted 
in a way you know if it's labeled as music it shows up in there but it'll it'll pull in just the audio track or the video if it's there and, and allow you to toggle between the two along with you know, lyrics and stuff I'm like gonna that. stay on Spotify nice. yeah it yeah. works for me you do you man sorry artists I know y'all hate it but I don't have to download music anymore it feels great <laughs> um, so we are about to get up and running here with uh, today's guest if this is your first time tuning into between realities um, it won't take you long to find out we always have a guest on our show and it's always exciting but before we introduce today's guest I want to say a quick hello to those who have tuned into the live show today uh, VR Emirate Emirate Emirate? How do you pronounce the Emirate? Emirate. Uh, I'm going to go with what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah Emirate was first in the chat, so and, uh, it's good to see you. Thanks for tuning in. I think it might be like um, Matt on another social media. Let me know, dude. I think you're Matt, hmm. but I might be wrong. Uh, Red Slash Ace is here. Haptic Gloves for the win. There's another Haptic Boy in the chat right there. What's up, nice. man? Nice. Yeah, dude. What's up, man? Good How to are see you. you. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be getting into it today, dude. It's going to yeah. be a, a show about haptics. And it's going to be pretty amazing because... Um, I like haptics. I've been involved in, in haptics for a while. We should we should have them meet up in an expo and do some like haptic glove thumb wrestling or something. That would be <laughs> pretty fun. Like have uh, Red Slash Ace show up, yeah. Lucas. I'll show up with Contact yep. CI with all the haptic glove face off battle. Yeah, in a ring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Q Creator says the weekend, and he's never been wrong about oh, it. The weekend. Yeah, dude, you're the gonna weekend. be hanging out with us next weekend he will be here this exact this, time yep like a week yeah. from right now uh-huh same with mickey bear who damn. i believe is in the chat as well damn so and creeper betty and kensei wow like yeah a it's week, gonna be rad a week Eric, from today you see we're all gonna be here in arizona sweating together uh and maybe spontaneously combusting from the heat but uh, it'll be great. Game On Expo 2023 yep. is here in Phoenix every year. And uh, unless this is your first time, you already know that we do the VR stuff at that Game On Expo. We let people mm -hmm. play VR for free. So a lot of our community members are coming out to help us pull it off. Um, and that being said, we're not going to be here next week. So right. you know, keep that in mind. A yes. Spoiler for the end of the show. Today. Yes, we will be um, sharing VR with the world and giving a lot of people their very first VR experience and hopefully making some more obsessed VR people. It's definitely so, going to happen, especially because yeah. some of these people who are going to be trying VR for the first time are going to be playing Synapse as their first oh VR experience. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Man. Um, oh. So uh, anyway, Creeper Betty, yep, we already said she'll be here what's with us up? next week. Good to see you getting yep. things done. What's up, VR fan? Hey, what's up, dude? Um, amazing episode to get him to the metaverse. Oh, so, I know. Did you watch it? With, I, I watched. I've, I've seen half of it so yeah. far. I'm going to finish it off it's later. It's so good. Yep. Her, her contributions. Oh. Close the real deal. She like, is. Halfway yep. through her, I'm being on that show. I was like, mm, I'm going to steal her. She, <laughs> she needs to come out of between realities as soon as possible because her perspective was amazing. She's great. We, and we get to, uh, we get to see her in person at the Zenith launch party. Uh, like, a year yep. and a half ago or something. Yep, yep. And we were like, CDC. yo, where are all the creator tools, man? What's going on? Yeah, like, yeah. Grilling her about the Alex quest. is like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I... Uh, yeah, that was a great episode. And if you missed Get Him to the Metaverse this week, go watch it. Yes. Because it was great. Um, Snow Toad in the house. What's up, man? Good hey, what's to up, see Snow Toad? German Rifter. Did somebody say haptics? Dude, no. What's up, German Rifter? Daniel, we love you. We miss you. Heck yeah. Thanks for being here. I'm going to hunt down German Rifter when I'm in Germany in, in just like two weeks or something. Um, are you really? I'm going to try. I know he hasn't been feeling well, but I am going to show up anyway. Do He'll it. Be like, dude, let me in. Do <laughs> it. <laughs> Do it. Um, by the way, uh, Jay Dunn wants to get into um, 
Super Rumble. Wait, is that what it's called? Yeah, Super, Super Rumble, Rumble in, nice. in Horizon Worlds. He wants to play tonight. Ooh, tonight. Oh, you no can do tonight, Daddy Night. That's but, Daddy. Uh, yeah, spend That's... time with my daughter tonight. But uh, I am down with getting in there next week. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm gonna. Sure. I hear it's fantastic. I hear it's really good too. Yeah, and I hear they brought in all the assets with like, um, you know, with legit 3D software, Blender, and like, uh, so it looks, you know, yeah. better than if they kind of drew it with the, you know, with the in-game assets from with, from Horizon. with text. Yeah, <laughs> it's better than if they built it out of text. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just, just, just kidding. Not trying to slam Horizon Worlds. Jay, no, it's good, it good stuff in there. There's it absolutely is. There good is. stuff in there. Yep. There is indeed. Uh, Ordo's in the house. What's up, Ordo? Hey. Thanks for being here. Good What's to up? see you. Uh, Julian Jarecki here. Thanks for stopping by, Julian. Being hello, a part of this. Hello. Mickey Bear, of course. Mickey Bear, the legend. Samson, 143 Samson. VR. Love me some Samson. Take and me some to the Let's moon. Talk Oculus podcast. That's right. Great show. Amelia Faust is here with us. Hey, what's up, Amelia? Absolutely. Good to see you. Little Wolf Raza. Hey, what's up, Wolf Keeping Raza? it real in the chat as always. Which I, know, I, I absolutely know. love. Heck Master yeah. Cool is here. What's up, man? Good hey, to see you. How's it going? Been a minute uh, since yeah. I saw you in a live chat. Nice to see you again. Heck yeah. Uh, Kensey Gaming, our Arizona VR homie. Heck is yeah. Here. What's up, Kensey? Mm -hmm. Lixnix. Yo. Hey. What's up, man? How are you? How how you uh, how you doing with the B Haptics community over there, Lixnix? You taking good care of them? I miss you guys. <laughs> I miss you guys. I definitely enjoyed my my time with the B Haptics squad. Heck yeah. I love B Haptics. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Hussein X is here. What's up, man? Good hey, to see you, Hussein. dude. Um, and you know this this little chat thing. I tell you, I'm gonna figure out a better way to pull this off one of these days. I know. I wish. I really wish YouTube would open their API, like um, like you know, like other streaming services like Twitch and stuff. It yeah. just makes everything so much better. It would be better. One of these days, maybe. Mateo three one one, the super popular Mateo. VR YouTuber, is here. He's in the chat. Everybody. What's up? You recognize the greatness when you can see it. Heck yeah! One, one of the one of one of the only people, not the only person, but one of the only per people to ever be live in the studio for a show. One of my favorite moments ever. Yeah, for was sure. revealing Mateo when he was in studio. If you missed that one, that's a good one to go check out sometime. Only for the beginning though, because the audio is garbage. Yeah, that's a bummer. With that the sucked. Audio. Yeah, we you know we didn't know what we we're doing. We we'll learn as you go. Right? <laughs> it's the between realities <laughs> method. Um, <laughs> Space Denizens here. What's up, man? Hey, boy. How's it going? Wire Wiz. How's everyone hey, doing? We're doing good. What's up? Hope you're doing good. How are you? Destiny 11. Happy Friday. Thanks hey. for being here. Snow Kitten. Excited for a haptic love update. Heck yeah. All of us are. Heck yeah. Mepper in the house. What's up, man? Mepper. Cobweb Blocks. First time seeing this? Yo. Thanks for being here. Nice. Appreciate you. Very cool. Joy Rain VR, the other half Joy of the Get Him the Metaverse podcast. Yes. Yes, yes, indeed. Thanks Laszlo, for coming. 216 Cleveland Heights. Represent. All yeah, right. I moved. Oh, he moved. <gasps> now I understand. You're still oh. representing Cleveland, though, bro. It's in your blood, all right? <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland Heights, you know. I'm. I, for me, it's all the same. Sorry, I know it's probably not, but <laughs> for me, it is. Uh, Magic sleeper yay game on expo that's right dude come to game on expo heck yeah would love to see you there come and uh, introduce yourself andy's vr reviews in the house hey. what's up man good to see you there little days netic here as well what's up um little sadly it's bradley in the house hey. what's up buddy what's up man missed you on the uh, crew cast we did last miss week. you we needed you actually we we got into a conversation about I don't know. Yeah. Some headset, and we, we were like, we're just bad. We need I know. We almost replaced you with that AI video of yourself. But then we decided <laughs> no. that might not be a good idea. <laughs> if, 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 if I have any vote, it is going against that. 
That is pure nightmare fuel. <laughs> VR Spry guy. Hello, everyone. What's up, man? Escondon. Woo. What's up, dude? Thanks for hey, being here. What's up? Uh, Hussein X probably already said, but I don't yes. care. Worth what's saying up, again. Wire Wiz maybe said that too. I don't know. Um, yep. You did. Yeah, I did. Uh, Standables here. Good to see you there. Ashley C. Frye. You're damn right. Frye. I like that. Yeah. Frye. Yeah, she's, That's cool. She celebrates every Friday. Heck yeah. You absolutely should. Mm-hmm. It's like a holiday every week. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, and Michelle B. Hi. Thank hey, you what's here. up? Cool. You know who else is here? Today's guest. No way. Yeah. <laughs> you have a yeah. guest? Yep. Sick. Yep. Since, uh, <laughs> since going viral in 2021. By creating a haptic glove that you can build yourself for $22. $22 a glove. And basically making a video that like explains how to do it. Um, This dude gained some serious traction at uh, what I would say is a pretty early age, right? Like obviously, you know, there's Mozarts out there Mm -hmm. five years old making stuff. But like (laughs) I didn't get involved in any of this until I was like, like 30 yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, now... The only thing I made at that age was bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, still still doing that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, now is uh, advancing all of this research and prototyping of do-it-yourself hardware uh, at MIT, which is... The Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which uh, I very much look up to. I grew up in Massachusetts, and it was always like... That place always... You know, you could see the brilliance just like radiating from that building. Absolutely love it. I love everyone in well, MIT. This guy's a testament to it. Everybody, please welcome to Between Realities, Lucas VR Tech. Yo. Yo, yo. How's it going? What's up, hey, man? How's it going, man? How Thank are you? Thank you for joining us. Doing awesome. Thanks so much for having me here. Uh, I mean, ever since I saw both of you at AWE, I've been like ecstatic to be on the ship. So thanks for having me aboard. Nice. Right on, man. We love thanks. It. it was awesome to see you there, dude. It was really, really cool. I love AWE so much. It's just like all the best people in the world in one building. It's nuts. I don't, like my head just like spins the whole time. I'm like, ah, oh, cool tech. Awesome people. I, I don't even know what to do. It's fantastic. It's it is the best. It is. It has been my favorite show. To Hands down. Two years in a row now. Hands down. But I think we already had him. Didn't we already have you booked for the episode yeah. before we saw you? Yeah, we did. Okay. Yes. Cool. That's good. And then we were like, yo, oh, we're here. Even more stoked now for <laughs> the guest appearance on the podcast. Um, this is going to be pretty awesome, man. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time to do this. And frankly, just taking the time to do what you've done in the space. I'm sure uh, it's been an exciting ride since those first couple of YouTube videos came out. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I would I would say, um, like, none of it was expected. It was very much like, I started the project as, you know, like a fun passion project. And I was like, oh, I'll post some stuff online for fun. And then, and then it ended up just exploding and becoming like this thing that was like, okay, I guess for the next unforeseen number of years, I'm gonna be doing this. <laughs> the next unforeseen number of years that's a good way of putting it it's kind of how i feel like i um like i kind of stumbled into the haptic space myself uh you know i was like just became obsessed with virtual reality and like immersing myself in that world and going to all the conferences and trade shows and trying all of the tech and it was after trying be haptics and and, and basically like um, you know, meeting Jennifer Lee, the who is no no longer with the company, but at the time she was the director of business development. Yeah, Jen's there. so awesome. I love, I love Jen. Jen. I love Jen. I will literally, I would like fight to the death for Jen. 
I would do anything for her. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was great. And after like making making friends with her and kind of having a relationship with them, I eventually got into working with Behaptics. And um, now I work for Contact CI, which is a common thread that Lucas and I have. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So Yeah, so I, I actually... Oh, sorry. Uh, I actually interned at Contact CI uh, for about six months over the summer a couple years ago. Uh, and I think that was before you were there, but, you know, really, really cool common thread for sure. Yeah, it was definitely before I was there. So how did how did the haptics thing happen for you, right? Because for me, it was kind of just like out of the love for VR and like it was almost like um, by proximity that I kind of got pulled into the haptic space. But I'm interested as to how you got to where you're making gloves at your crib. Yeah, sure. So basically, um, so I guess around when this started, uh, I had taken a gap year before going to MIT. This was right around when COVID hit and MIT was going online for that semester. And I was like, I don't really want my first time at MIT to be online. So then I was you know, stuck at home in quarantine for a year, not going to school and having all this time to work on really cool projects. And that's actually also when I fell in love with VR because at that point I was like, okay, now I'm stuck at home. Uh, you know, now this is a great way to experience, you know, a, a world, even if it's not the real world. And from there, it was kind of like this was I was running on an Oculus CV1 at the time. And the touch controllers and, and kind of the way that you can use your hands were like, I think one of the things that I was most obsessed about. But at the time, I feel like the controllers were really limiting compared to, you know, some of the things you can do in VR nowadays with gloves and, and hand tracking and things like that. And that's really what kind of spurred me to start trying to figure out, like, how can I get that kind of stuff for cheaper than what you can afford for that kind of tech? Yeah. I mean, in, in your words, why would you say that haptics are important? Like, why, why, why would you even begin to build a glove like that? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, the way I think about it is like your hands are very much like a bi-directional, you know, object. Like when I grab something, I want to be able to interact with it with my hands, but also get the feedback of that object in my hand. And so personally, for me, I spend most of my time in VR playing different games and having the feedback, especially in like fast paced scenarios, helps you really like feel like you're there, but also be able to respond to things faster. And then even in like slower paced things, like say you're in VR chat or, you know, some other experience where you don't necessarily have to react immediately, then, you know, the, the haptics help you feel more immersed and, and actually feel like you're really there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, like the way I always say it is that like haptics it are confirmation, like it, a haptic effect confirms something that your eyes and ears are telling you in the space, right? Like. I don't exactly like have a confirmation that I'm like pressing a button in VR yeah. until I feel that th like the mm -hmm. bump and then it's like, okay, yep. I definitely hit it that time. You know, I could like fail and I'm like, I think I'm failing until I feel that vibration at the tip of my finger. And then I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, there it is, baby. Like that. Now that's a, con that's a co confirming feeling. So for me, it really does make it real. Right. And like obviously virtual reality the R implies real covering our eyes and ears does a pretty damn good job of mm -hmm. like convincing us something is happening. But it's when you add these additional um, senses, especially the sense of touch that it really starts to take it to the next level and kind of elevate your sense of presence and the realism that you feel like you're experiencing when you're interact interacting with stuff. Yeah. And actually one of the really great ways to kind of try this at home too, is if you've ever heard of the rubber hand experiment, um, you basically take like a rubber hand 
and put your arm next to this rubber hand, cover your arm with like a blanket or something so you can't see it, and then have someone touch both the rubber hand and your hand at the same time. And if you're like, oh, that hand is being touched, and it feels like where I'm being touched, so that must be my hand. And once your brain makes that connection, like you can pretty much like it, there's some really amazing videos of people just like smashing the rubber hand with a hammer. And then the person who thinks that's their hand like freaks out. Um, so you, you get like really cool effects of like phantom touch and things like that. Is that legit? Like, have you have you ever been on the receiving end of a hammer slam with a rubber hand? I haven't gotten the hammer slam before, but I, I have done the experiment with the touching and it's it's pretty legit. I have felt phantom touch many, many times. And, and what, what almost always gets me is if I'm in VR and I put my hand over any kind of fire, my hand will feel hot. And like, I'll immediately pull it back. It's, it's, a, it's a really weird thing. You see it, you, uh, you know, it's, it's convincing and, and your brain is just, it knows once your hand goes there to, to pre-place that there. So you, you know, maybe remove it before there's damage done. I don't know, but it works for me. Yeah. Well, in, in thermal haptics, you <laughs> yeah. know, that'll that'll definitely be a thing oh, at yeah. some point. Like yeah, yeah. multiple companies yeah. are exploring that, even more doing research and yeah. development that mm -hmm. we're not aware of and all of that stuff. Well, we did see some thermal haptics at AWE this year, uh, with with heat and with cold, and it took that whole fire thing that, that I've experienced in VR without any of that, those haptics and really just brought it to the next level and mm -hmm. uh just really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Quick shout out mm -hmm. to Snowtoad, by the way, dropping a quick little super chat there and hey. also becoming a channel member. Dude, thanks, Snowtoad. Appreciate you, dude. You rock. Yeah, thanks for your contributions. It's just not only here, but just across the VR dude, I know. landscape. Like, Snowtoads everywhere, yeah. supporting all of us, and yeah. we appreciate you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely want to talk about AWE and some of the hardware that, that we saw there. Um, I feel like we have like a couple of steps to take before we get to that. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe I want to start with your video, Lucas. You made a video sure. in 2021 that that basically blew up um, and kind of put a lot of eyes on you and got a lot of people talking about haptics and gloves and all of that. Um, did you what what were your expectations when you made this video? Because I, what's blows my mind is your YouTube channel is pushing 200,000 subs like like 193 or five or something like that and you have four videos on there <laughs> like four wow. videos and he has almost 200,000 subscribers wow so obviously people started paying attention when this thing came out right like what what was your expectation when you made this video yeah so so i will say the the youtube channel was i guess you could call part two of this story um, because by the time the YouTube channel, like that first video rolled around, uh, I had already been posting on TikTok for a while. Mm -hmm. So that was actually like my original platform that I started posting in way back in December of 2020. Um, on like my first prototype, it like barely even worked. I had like a blinking LED, which by the way, put a blinking LED if you're ever making something on a video. Um, and <laughs> like the first video got like a dozen views. The second video got like, I don't know, a hundred views or something. And then the third one got like... 6.8 million. And I was like, whoa. Blinking LEDs. <laughs> Damn. Blinking LEDs work. It's um, a lot of millions. Yeah. So, Dang. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of those things where, like, going from that to YouTube, uh, like, I had already, I think, developed a good amount of people there that had already been, you know, following the project. We started a, a Discord server. Um, and then from there, moving to YouTube, it, it kind of gave, like, a little bit of a fire starter. Um, but I like, even still, I wasn't expecting anything near the, 
the kind of like feedback that that video had gotten, the amount of views. Um, so I, I would even even with that part one, like I was still expecting like maybe like 20k views on it. Um, so it like totally blew me away, and it totally changed the the landscape of the project too, because it brought so many people in that helped to make it even better. Oh, I'm sure there's so many people who have skills who watched what you were doing, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this guy's onto something. I know I can make a contribution to this project. I'm gonna hit him up." So did you just get like this huge like influx of people like email saying, hey, I'm, I'm a this engineer. Or, hey, I'm a this or I'm a that. And I want to help you that kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, on the, the GitHub for the VR gloves and things like that, we got loads of people like contributing additions, emails all over the place. Discord was going crazy. It was really big. Sweet. And how old were you when you made this video or how old are you now? I guess. Uh, yeah, so I am 21 now. I, that was, what, like three years ago or something? So I, I, I was pushing pushing 19 or 20, something like that. I can't do the math. Oh, yeah, it was, I think it was, like two, it was like, yeah, about two and a half years ago. It was in April of 2021 that that video went up. Yeah. Like so so barely 21 and uh off to the races with all of this i stuff. can't even imagine like i i see things like this and i'm like wow i wasted so many years of my life just doing dumb <laughs> dumb things you know like i i didn't i didn't you know i had i had jobs and stuff i wasn't contributing anything like phenomenal to society yet and and uh man i almost kind of wish i could go back and uh, and do so is that because... what we're doing now is that between reality? No, no, I'm not phenomenal. I'm not saying to that's what I'm, but but I'm, doing, I'm trying to am helping advance an industry in some way with all of the different things yeah. the way I said VR. And I, I'm trying. I don't. I, you know, I'm doing better <laughs> no. than I was when I was 21. You know what I, I mean? I so. feel you. <laughs> but yeah, you are inspirational, man, and uh, you make me want to go back and uh, do things different. I'll well, tell you that. That's not So, did this happen um, when you made this video? Was this before or after your internship with Contact CI? Uh, the YouTube video, I think, was like right at the start. Oh, right at the start of it. Oh. So, you were already yeah. working on haptic gloves. And then, how did the internship? happened because i i'm pretty curious because when i got hired by the company um i went to cincinnati to visit the office and um i'm just like exploring walking around just you know kind of getting a lay of the land and i saw on the cork board there was a thumbtacked handwritten letter from none other than lucas vr tech and it said hey contact ci thanks for the internship blah 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 here's some some little parts that i made you know best of luck that kind of thing and i was like yo holy crap like lucas was was an intern here i had no idea so cool. when i got hired um so how did it happen yeah so i guess at the time i i had been doing the gloves for a few months and um the discord was going pretty big i was already getting lots of dms and stuff from random people and i got this one dm from uh from the the ceo of contact ci and i was like whoa that's like that's so interesting. And I didn't know anything about the gloves at the time. Uh, they had, yeah, I guess just recently started their website and they didn't even have like an in-person office yet. Uh, they were like completely remote. And he was basically like, yeah, you know, do you want to like, you know, really like your project? We think, you know, we really agree with the way that you're, you're working on VR haptic technology. Uh, you know, would you be interested in talking about ways we could work together? And I was like totally down. I, I was really excited at the time because that was the first uh, you know, interaction I had had with a haptic glove company at all. Wow. That is great. And was there ever like a moment that like went through your head where you're like, okay, like I'm making a glove. These guys make gloves. Like 
if I'm, you know, not sticking around forever, like, is there like, I don't know, like conflict of interest or something like you ever have any thoughts about that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that we, we, it's a challenge we had to navigate together. Um, but I think one of the things that was really helpful is a lot of the things that I learned while working there weren't like VR haptic glove specific or proprietary skills. They were, you know, a lot of just like how to be a developer that works with other developers. Cause I had never done that before. Mm -hmm. I had only like built things by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that kind of thing, lots of, you know, tech skills and, and stuff like that. So I think, I think the thing that really helped was the fact that I, I wasn't learning like, Oh, how to build contact CIs specific gloves. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um, Right on. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, because I can imagine that, that might be, you know, a little weird or hairy or whatever, but I mean, obviously everybody's kind of cut from the same cloth and, you know, kind of one of those rising tides raises all ships kind of moments, I think. Um, so when you um, got hired, or I guess, well, I guess when you did your internship over there, and uh, how long how long did you do your internship? Uh, it was about six months. Six months? Okay, so that's not super, super long. Um, yeah, you know, the contact CI approach is what they call or what we call, I guess I should say multi-force ergonomic haptics, right? And it's having more than one force happening and doing so from an ergonomic perspective or an ergonomic design and or ergonomic form factor. And the idea is to have more than one haptic interaction happening simultaneously without having to like sacrifice the natural range of motion of your hand or, you know, having to like relearn how to just do things that kind of should already kind of come naturally to you. Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about that approach, right? Because with the lucid glove, you know, making it as a DIY project, obviously it's going to lack some of those types of things, right? It's not going to have more than one force. It's not going to be entirely ergonomic. So I am curious what your thoughts are from that perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I guess the big differences I would say with between lucid gloves and the, the maestro glove from contact CI is they're like a totally different purpose. Right. Um, and so, you know, with the lucid glove, uh, you know, we developed it primarily, uh, like with the focus on VR gaming and, and, you know, the v average experiences that like your average valve index or quest Two user might use. Um, whereas the, you know, the, the contact CI gloves are at least right now, primarily used for, you know, training big, big on the, the air force cockpit pilot kind of thing. And so for those two different things, they're like very different requirements. So for like the, the cockpit kind of thing, uh, the, the gloves from contact CI have, they use camera based tracking. So they don't actually have like a, like sensors in them for tracking, at least the prototypes that I used. Yeah, they still um, so those ones are really good for, oh, <laughs> Well, I just said that they still don't. They they do use optical hand tracking. Okay. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So those ones are really good for you know if you have your hand in front, uh, and I know a lot of the the sensors and things are you know getting a bigger field of view. Uh, but at the end of the day, like if you're in an airplane cockpit, you're putting your hands in front of you and hitting buttons and knobs and things like that. Um, whereas if you're like playing a VR game, like say Boneworks, you're maybe grabbing things from behind your back, which at some point is going to be out of the way of of camera tracking, and so you have different requirements for how you're going to track those things. And so with the Lucid Gloves, what we do is we put either a controller or like a SteamVR tracker on the back, and then it actually has tracking in order to track the positions of your fingers uh, without using cameras, which is really good for what we use with gaming, but what it does is it also reduces some of that, uh, you know, compatibility for more of the training kind of stuff. 
Um, and on top of that, we uh, you mentioned the ergonomics, and we have like the motors on the back of your hand. And so what that means is it's going to pull just your finger and not your entire wrist, uh, which is really good for like handheld objects, because if I grab like, say, this water bottle, uh, I can move my wrist up and down, uh, which is really good. But if I'm interacting with something in a cockpit, I don't want to be able to move my wrist up and down. So I wanted to pull my entire wrist. Yeah. Um, so that's one of those things that the, the haptic motors and the contact side gloves do that really well is that you can feel that all the way up the wrist, um, which is, I think, really, really good for that specific application. Um, and as far as the multi-force for, for like buttons and things like that, it's pretty awesome. We haven't really gotten around to adding vibration motors into the Lucid Gloves yet, but we do have like the driver work and stuff for all of that currently. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, there really is some magic when the vibration and the force feedback happens in the same moment. You know, like you get the vibration that kind of indicates that you have made contact with something. And then the force feedback is like the displacement of your finger that that thing would be making happen if you were actually touching it. And it's it's quite compelling. Like, I really do believe it really is the multiple yeah. forces at play. Yeah. Um, but to your point, you know, right now, the Maestro gloves from Contact CI really are enterprise focused. These are like designed for training applications, you know, and, and things like that. Um, but most of our audience are going to be gamers, you know, and obviously they, they're not about to spend, you know, upwards of three grand or over three grand on a pair of haptic gloves for Half-Life Alex, right? Um, and Alex is just like such a great uh, program and I guess in terms of like the modability, right? Like obviously it's an amazing game, but people can pull in all kinds of stuff that they want into Half-Life Alex. And I've even been like poking a little bit at Context CI being like, hey, maybe we should just like make it work, <laughs> you know, like, just for a video yeah. or something, you know, Absolutely. like, you know, like put the Russells on and like, you know, bounce <laughs> some, some resin around in the hands or something. Um, but one of the big, I guess, issues when it comes to using hand tracking in gaming experiences is like losing access to buttons, thumbsticks, uh, you know, now you're really limited in your approach to things like locomotion and stuff like that. What have you done when you've been experimenting with this to solve some of those issues yeah so i guess my approach when it comes to the gloves is um i guess really the way i see it is rather than a uh, rather than a controller itself kind of challenging uh what we consider a controller to be in the traditional idea for controller really in vr like we've seen the the controllers that have prevailed to be like an extension of you know game controllers like an xbox controller which is like the same kind of design that's been tried and tested for decades uh, you know, with the A, B, X, Y, the thumbstick or a D-pad, um, like those are tried and tested and they've been used for a long time. But this is a new medium. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a lot more experimentation that can be done. Uh, so currently with the gloves, kind of the way I'm tackling it is I am adding. So in the driver, we have an option where you can add like buttons and joysticks in order for you to actually get those kind of functionalities, just because we do have to work with games that were designed for those kinds of inputs. So here, this is good time to debut the, the Prototype 5 glove right here. Um, you can see you can actually add a joystick to the glove. And what that mm -hmm. lets you do is then you just like use your index finger or your thumb to walk around with an actual physical joystick. And then you can add buttons and wire them basically anywhere you want because you can just like plug it into the microcontroller that the glove runs off of. That's pretty sick. Okay. So yeah. like maybe I put a button like, I don't know, on the tip of my index finger and like make a pinch to to get 
to hit a button or something like that? Or do, would you want me to like use my other hand to, to operate those buttons? Oh, I would definitely say like the, the pinch or having them on the palm so you can click, Reach but it's down. also one of those things that's, yeah, it's really dependent on what kind of ways you want to use the glove, what kind of games you want to play. Um, so if you are, you know, just like using VR chat and stuff, you might want the buttons out of the way because you're not pushing them all the time. Uh, or if you're playing Beat Saber, well, I don't know why you use gloves for Beat Saber, um, but if you're <laughs> playing a game like Boneworks where you have to use lots of buttons all the time, then you'd probably want buttons, you know, further down the palm or a pinching kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. So what what in, in your experimentation and stuff has been some of the more like compelling experiences to use the gloves in? Like what feels good to play? Yeah, so I would say personally, like uh, my favorite kinds of games, which are the ones that are like heavily physics dependent. Um, so for me, I, I really enjoy playing Blade and Sorcery, Boneworks, Bone Lab. Uh, those kinds of games are personally my favorite anyway. So that helped, you know, to test the gloves and those kind of things. Half-Life Alex, like you mentioned, really amazing game. Uh, and the thing that's really nice for a lot of these games too, is they have very high modability. So the way that we actually get the haptics for the gloves to work in those games is we write mods for the games. Um, and this is also like a community effort as well. So a lot of people in the community write mods uh, to inject into these games that then add the haptic support in without us having to like wait for the developers to you know help us do that. Yeah, that's super nice. And I love this like adding a physical thumbstick and buttons to a glove yeah I, I so i tried a glove and i can't remember what it's called i'm trying to remember but it was at ces um and it had a thumbstick like right here and like when you you would move around and i think they had uh boneworks or something on display and you moved around like that and then you could just use your hand and you can move around and it was super awesome i really liked it i thought it was a great great idea um so you know i can i can see that being uh being a home run there. What kind of glove sure. was it? Was it a, a, a tracking glove or a haptic glove? It was or? tracked uh, and haptics, um, kind of similar to this. I feel like they kind of used like a kind of a, a leather glove as a as a base or something, and then and then they had like a flat, almost like a like a a switch or a PSP thumbstick that was like right here that you could use to move around, and it was it was great. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds great. like a pretty good um, like a pretty good solution for like today. You know, yeah. like, I mean, and, and maybe for the future too, right? Yeah. Like possibly, I mean, it does, I, like I think about it and I feel like it would be somewhat intuitive, you know, like mm -hmm. I can imagine having a thumbstick here, like on my index finger and I yeah. just kind of close my hand and, and jam on it. I mean, what do you think, Lucas? Is it pretty fun? Like, does it feel good to use? Yeah, so the the main challenge I'd say with joysticks for gloves specifically is um, like if you put it too far up the index finger, then you have to like really push your thumb out of the way to push it. Um, so some of the people in the community have also developed little add-on like pieces of plastic that will hold the joystick like right in the nook between your thumb and your index finger. Um, and you can also add like little buttons and stuff there too. Um, so that's one of those things where also like the community designs for the project. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different varied versions of the gloves and some even like from the ground up custom built gloves that use the same software. Um, so you get a big variety there too, especially with things like inputs. Show us this prototype that you just that you just kind of teased there. Tell us a little bit more about um, some of the changes in this most recent iteration of the glove compared to what people are used to seeing from you. Yeah, absolutely. So this is Lucid Gloves Prototype Five right here. Uh, at least the the current version of it. Um, you know, improvements come all the time. Uh, currently, kind of the main upgrades over the old versions of the glove 
is this one uses Hall effect sensors. So it has little magnets in it and it can measure the movement of those magnets instead of the old versions, which were potentiometers. So like little electrical pieces that rub against each other and wear out over time. Um, this one also has triple the sensors that the old one had. So the old one had five potentiometers. This has 15 Hall effect sensors in it. So it can measure things like the left and right movement of your fingers. Um, oh, and it cool. also has these plastic strips instead of the string that we were using before. Um, I know Contact CI used a string, um, and it's, I think, a really good way to do it. Um, but this is also a really fun thing to experiment with is using these plastic strips. Uh, it feels like it's a little bit less stretchy because the string we used to use had like a tiny bit of stretch to it. Um, so overall, like slightly better haptics, better tracking, and a much lower profile than the old gloves. When you, when you uh, create newer iterations of the glove, are you always having to fight price versus functionality i'm guessing you're trying to keep these still as cheap as possible uh source your your parts and as things you know become cheaper you implement them but is this more expensive to build this latest one yeah so that's a great point it is actually something that we always have to fight is how to not make the gloves because like there's always there's always the desire to just make it the most decked out cool glove possible yeah um but the yeah. second you start adding like more and more things it it does rack up the price quite a bit especially if you're not buying things wholesale and you're buying them individually on amazon or whatever um so for example the servo motors back in like prototype three when there were like no haptics yet uh the gloves cost about eleven dollars per hand to make uh, so $22 total, which is like that first video that really blew up. It's insane. Um, but then adding the servo wow. motors, that's like an extra $30 of just motors for that. Um, now for this one, luckily, the price seems to be about the same, if not slightly more than the last one, Prototype 4. So it should still be roughly $30 to $35 per hand uh, if you're able to get like the lowest price on everything. I mean, that's marginal. If you ask me, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like what's the difference between twenty two dollars and thirty six dollars? I know. know? Like, I mean, especially when you look at you know all these other solutions out there that are that are built uh, very expensive for enterprise and training and government use, right? To say, oh, this one's like thirty three bucks or this one's forty dollars. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of peanuts in that way, mm -hmm. I guess. You know. Mm -hmm. But so so let's say somebody out there is listening and they're like, okay. Like I'm convinced like this sounds awesome. I've got 40 bucks laying around. I can, I'm going to build one of these things. Um, obviously I know that you have an awesome discord community and you guys kind of share resources openly and you know, like GitHub, I'm assuming and stuff like that. Um, so for all intents and purposes, everything that people need to make these at home technically does exist. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So the entire thing is open source. So that means anyone can take all the resources needed to build the gloves all the software needed to put them together. Um, they can even edit them and modify them to contribute, make the project better. Um, and also all the software is available on Steam. So you can actually download a driver called Open Gloves um, just straight off of Steam, which means like then nice. the only thing you have to do is like add the firmware for the chip. And like aside from that, it's, it all comes straight off of Steam. Which is epic. So cool. Like, so in, in what way could someone benefit most? And I guess I'm kind of asked like, what's the best games to play earlier, but I want to rephrase it and say like, what, uh, in like, other than just having like a curiosity and like an interest in the technology, in what ways could people like really like leverage these and use them right now if they took the time to build them at home? 
Yeah. Uh, so I would say as far as the haptics goes, a lot of that is really like a personal immersion kind of thing. You want to like really, really feel like you're in the game. Um, but it also does add an extra layer of information too. Um, so, you know, if you want to like, you know, grab something behind your back in the game and you're not like looking and now, you know, like you grabbed it sometimes, you know, in a game like blade and sorcery, you'll try to grab something from behind your back. And since you can't see it, you see your hand and there's no actual feedback. Like you don't know that you actually grabbed that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but even as far as like the having gloves with tracking in them part, um, there's a lot of people in our community that are say like DJs in VR chat, uh, and they can't have a controller in their hand when they're interacting with a real, you know, turntable. Um, so people like that also build like tracking only versions of the glove for social VR and things like that. Nice. nice. So I think some people in chat might want to know if you're going to build a glove like this, if you were going to, um, kind of check out this open source project and start putting it together. What kind of headset do you need? Uh, does it have to be a headset that has hand tracking built in like the quest or the quest pro? Can it be a valve index? If so, um, how would you get hand tracking on that? Would you have to use an ultra leap, uh, or, or something to that extent? Yeah, great question. So basically, the the gloves are totally like Steam VR done right now. Um, so we have a Steam VR driver that takes all of the inputs from the glove, including the hand tracking that's built into the glove, uh, and emulates like a Valve Index controller into Steam VR. So that means the finger tracking works in any game that already works with Valve Index controllers, for example. Um, so basically, the the main requirement there is just have a VR headset that works in Steam VR with tracked controllers that you can mount on the back of the hand. Even better if you have like a like a base station tracked, you know, a little Vive puck or Tundra tracker to put on the back. Um, but yeah, it absolutely works with a Valve Index, anything like that. And you don't really need the the Ultra Leap because the tracking is built into the gloves itself, right. as far as the, yeah, the finger cool. tracking component. Right. Nice. Yeah, Master Cool saying you still need a 3D printer, which I guess is a pretty good point, right? I'm assuming most of those parts yes. are 3D printed. Yes, yeah. So all the white pieces here are totally 3D printed. So that is that is one of the big requirements of the project is either have a 3D printer or have access to one. Like, say, your library locally has a 3D printer or you know someone, have a friend. There's also lots of websites out there, um, just so you know that you can upload uh, you know, a, a 3D file to, they will print it and mail it to you. Um, so you can use the services too. They're decently cheap if you if you give them all the parts to print at once and, and have them ship it over. So uh, you can absolutely do that too. Those tendons, or I don't know, what do you call them? I, I'm calling them tendons right now, but those those tendons, those are 3D printed? Yeah, so yeah, these strips are actually just pieces of PLA plastic that are thin enough that they're flexible. Um, mm. So yeah, these are all totally 3D printed. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. So obviously, okay. yeah, I mean, this is all super, super awesome, right? Like bringing the hands into VR is absolutely crucial. And there's a lot of people, well, and there's a, the niche within the niche, but a good amount of people still who are attempting to solve this issue, right? Us with Contact CI, you, there's a bunch of other companies out there too. But it is interesting that you are doing this from this like open source, like cheap as possible kind of perspective. And I'm curious, like, what is like your trajectory, right? Right. Like, obviously you're a super smart guy. You're making big contributions. I imagine you want this to pay off financially at some point, right? Uh, I mean, certainly one of the, one of the things that I've been learning doing this project is that building cool things like this um, is like the most exhilarating experience that I can have. Um, and so I'd like to someday, 
make a living doing that so that I don't have to have a day job and then have fun making cool things at home. Um, but I'm still trying to figure out the specifics of how that'll be. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're in college right now, so, you know, I'm assuming yeah. you'll stay there for at least another few years. How long do you have? Like, do you know when you're going to be done at MIT or do you, st- I don't really know. I didn't go to college for that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a rising junior, so I'll, I'll have two more years after this, or starting after so, the summer. So, just for everyone that, that knows in chat, I did put uh, Lucas's Patreon in the description. So, if you do want to support him, because MIT MIT sorry is not cheap, right? And to be able to contribute to the to the field like this and go to a college like that and still have to pay for it out of your own pocket is uh, is not an easy feat. And uh, we definitely appreciate what Lucas is bringing to the table here. So, if you feel like it. Go down there, click on yeah, that link. If you have anything left over after subscribing to the Between Reality Patreon, <laughs> go on over to Lucas's. No, uh, go support funny. Lucas. Yeah, do, do please it. do. Yeah, we're, we're, we're sitting here just talking about the amazing yeah, stuff that he's doing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So it is pretty amazing that people have, you know, been willing to, you know, contribute and support the project and things like that. So it, it does make a really huge difference. Um, I, nice. Yes, it does. Yeah. I mean, we don't have your kind of following and it makes a huge difference for us. Like this, mm-hmm. it's the difference between being able to go somewhere and not sometimes or acquiring a piece of equipment that we need or mm-hmm. not sometimes. So um, yep. you definitely deserve to have a Patreon and people should, yes. I'm sure anybody who contri- contributes to it is like confident that their money is like not being wasted and it's going to somebody who's mm-hmm. like making things happen. Um, so yeah, push that thing and yes. make a bunch of money off of that. <laughs> um, so let's, let's move over to AWE now. Cause I am curious, like, you know, we were both at AWE, you were at AWE too, but we all kind of go f- to AWE f- with like different intentions and different perspectives and to accomplish different goals and stuff. Um, you know, what was your primary focus when you went to AWE? Yeah. So I went to AWE, um, with a lot of friends from MIT, actually. Um, I haven't mentioned it yet, but I helped to run a hackathon at MIT called MIT reality hack. And we actually had a booth at AWE that year. Um, so it was a lot of work, you know, setting up the booth and all of that. Um, but I was also there representing Lucid VR as well. Um, so we actually did a lot of Lucid VR demos at the, uh, the MIT Reality Hack oh, cool. booth. Um, and I was also representing the, um, the intercollegiate um, mixed reality group as well, ICXR, which we just started with students from lots of different schools doing XR stuff as well. And you guys threw an awesome after party, by the way, that MIT hackathon party was super fun. There was a lot of great people there. Uh, get to network and hang out with some absolute legends. Which one was that? Uh, that was at a bar. I remember, I can't remember the name of the bar, but I remember, uh, it was, it was, um, very loud in there, but there was a really cool back patio and everyone was kind of smooshed in back there. And there was just awesome people everywhere, man. It was absolutely fantastic. Jasmine knocked a $30 cocktail out of my head at that party. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, the drinks were expensive there for sure. I got a double. I got a double because it was hard to get a drink in that place. It was, yeah. And I got a double and it cost me 30 bucks. And then I went and started talking to Jasmine. She's... (laughs) 
<laughs> smacked it out of I'm my I'm sure hand. you deserved it. I. How dare you? How, whose, whose team are you on? Between realities happened way before impact reality. All right? I love you all. <laughs> yeah, she still owes me, by the way, because we went to get it. She was like, okay, I'll get you a new drink. Come yeah. on. And we went up to the bar together, and I was like, well... Don't it doesn't have to be a double. Just give me a regular one. I'm not gonna make you pay thirty <laughs> bucks for a drink. And she ordered it and the bartender was like, I know you guys waited a while, it's cool, take it. And like didn't charge her. And so I was, I was like, Well, you still owe me. She got <laughs> she she got a good deal there. She she replaced your your original thing and uh, you know. <sighs> Yeah, maybe. She's better looking than you. Yes. You know, well, it is what it is, man. That, You're okay. just going to be okay with that. You're right. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't argue with that. Um, but yeah, that was awesome. The MIT uh, after party. Great. And I've great. heard so many things about the hackathon too, which, you know, we're not developers, so we, we are never at those things. But um, I've heard that it's an amazing time. And it, mm -hmm. what did it, I'm sure, I feel like I've heard about it for a long time. It was a thing before you came around, right, Lucas? Yes. Okay, now you're just like a part of it, helping pull it off. Yeah, now I'm riding a wave. I mean, it's is I helped for the first time this January, and it was like one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Like basically in a weekend, like pounding so much work into making this event happen. It was it was really crazy. Sweet man. So MIT being one of the most prestigious, amazing schools in the world uh, for technology. What is it? What does VR presence and XR presence look like over there at MIT? Is there a big focus on on VR? A lot of people working on it. Do people see the potential of it, or or is it just kind of a very small niche somewhere off in a corner? Yeah, so I'd say uh, kind of as far as the presence at MIT, there's kind of this distinction between the the academic side and the the you know research side and the kind of non-academic side. Um, I'm part of the student group there called VR AR at MIT, um, and we do a lot of really awesome projects. We build uh, you know different devices. We've tried like shocking ourselves with like uh, like electrostimulation units and stuff like that, so you can feel walls in VR. Um, we have lots of different like software projects. It's it's a really great time. Um, and then as far as like the research side, um, a few of the different labs at MIT do um, you know research on some like different VR. Uh, you know, building things in VR, but a lot of them are also like the software kind of like interaction modality kind of research as well. Um, but I will say like compared to some of the other schools in the area, um, MIT is still like really getting started. Like Northeastern, that's pretty close. They're doing like a lot of VR research. Um, so it's, I'm hoping that MIT ramps it up pretty soon. Nice, cool. Yeah, I grew up right over by Northeastern. So uh, that's awesome. It's awesome to hear that there's so much happening um, with, you know, teaching people that are that are you know going off into the workforce and doing amazing things that that they're all coming out with you know there's so many people are coming out with vr skills and, and really understanding what this technology brings so mm -hmm. it's amazing love it yeah um i'm interested in your perspective of like the haptics slash vr landscape as in general right now um, obviously AWE was the most recent event that we went to and I'm, you know, you're behind a booth and you're busy, but did you have a chance to like cruise around and try stuff? You know, did you, was there anything there that really impressed you or got you excited or is there something else that you're thinking about that kind of gets you going when you think about the current landscape? Yeah. I mean, I guess the way I'd, I see it is um, like everything with VR has that chicken and egg problem, right? Where like, if you add a new thing, uh, you know, like people won't buy it until it has software support and stuff. 
and software won't support it until lots of users have it. Um, and that was always a big problem with every aspect of VR. And you know, we've kind of passed that hump with the headsets. Uh, and now we're, we're really starting to see it with like custom controllers and, and these haptic devices and things like that. Uh, I tried the OO suit and it was like, it was crazy. Like it, it totally blew my mind. It is crazy. Um, it was one of those, yeah, it was one of those things I was like a little scared to try at first. Um, but it was, it was a really great experience trying the different haptic gloves, uh, you know, really amazing progress. And also seeing that actually quite a few VR haptic gloves actually use the same software as Lucid Gloves, the driver that we made called Open Gloves. Um, so Stretch Sense that was there, I believe, uses it. Um, and then a couple other VR gloves that weren't there also use it. Um, so that was, that was really amazing to see as well. Um, one of the things I think we're also seeing is, um, you know, like different, uh, like interoperability layers, like open XR, uh, valves, open VR is also helping with things like this as well. Uh, ET, the company that, uh, has like custom, like similar to the knuckles controllers were there. Um, and those are like really, really cool, but those are one of the things that like wouldn't be able to exist if it weren't for the fact that you can, you know, pair any controller to a SteamVR headset that is SteamVR compatible. Yeah. Um, and that's also one of the things that makes the glove work. So that's pretty awesome. You know, I know when, when I look at some of the things that you've made, I think like, wow, how, how wild is it to actually design and put these things together and figure it all out? But what a lot of people may not realize is you actually have to write all the software to make this stuff work. Um, in VR too. So it's not good enough to just build those gloves. You now have to sit there and code and you have to make all this stuff work on the software side. You have to get it working inside of Steam VR. Uh, and then, and then like you said, mod it into experiences. So you have some things to do. Um, do you what? do all that? How did you learn how to do all of this? <laughs> like you weren't even in college yet. <laughs> so I, I do have to give credit where credit's due. Um, not all of the software, uh, you know, was entirely me. I had originally started out in the project, um, you know, just posting a TikToks of my first prototypes, like thinking like, how am I going to get this thing to work in VR? Um, and, you know, having like a demo in Blender and stuff like that. Um, and someone actually reached out, um, someone who now I'm very, very close friends with, his name's Dan. And he like figured out the system for OpenVR drivers at the time when the documentation for it was really bad. And he and I just like started working on this driver together, um, which now has become Open Gloves. Um, and lots of other people in the community have also helped. So it's it's one of those things where like YouTube was probably my biggest uh, teacher as far as like how to get VR things working. Um, but then the community was like, like without having that, it would have been significantly harder. Wow. Well, thank you. You said it was Daniel or Dan? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thanks to him and everyone that contributed to that project because, man, that's that's a lot of work. It's a ton of work to make mm -hmm. these things continually make them better and continue to make the software better. It's just so much. So uh, I really appreciate wow. like your like optimistic perspective of the industry and the technology. You know, I feel like there are a lot of people who have been in this space for a long time who are kind of like jaded and they've like maybe expected to see more progress than we've seen or you know they have like made bets on things expecting them to blow up or hit a certain level of adoption and just ultimately like it kind of keeps falling short um i'm wondering like what do you think about like the the near future of the vr space right like i, I we all are expecting this to be like a mainstream technology that everyone uses in their lives all the time but how long does it take to get to that? And what do you think is upsetting these people who are jaded, right? Like what are some of the roadblocks that are standing in the way? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it really is a slow, it's going to be a slow roll. Um, but I do think also right now we are going to see a lot of turnover, um, especially now with the, you know, the Apple headset release. Um, you know, like all eyes are on XR right now. And that is one of those things where that leads to a lot of really high expectations. And, you know, people for a long time have been like, you know, when are, when are we all going to be using VR? Um, but it's also one of those things where we really have to have the infrastructure for all of that to work. I mean, one great example is if you look at like the Quest platform, um, it's one of those things where they've been, you know, like a rather like closed ecosystem. Um, and, you know, they've gotten a lot of criticism for that. Obviously, for me, like I would love to have the gloves work on Quest standalone. And that's something I'm trying to, you know, get some some Unity demos for. Um, but in order to have like a universal system where like any controller will work with any headset and you can actually like pull up software that you can like use um, and, and, you know, not have like restrictions on like what kind of things you can pull up. I think it's one of those things where it's it's sort of a growing pain in the industry because like first you really have to build up this infrastructure and and have it support the people that are using it before um, you know you can you know really nitpick like making every single thing possible um, and I think at some point we're we're gonna get to the point where I mean uh, a VR headset will have the computing power of a laptop and then you can really really do what you want um, even even still I think friction is also a really big um, like point as well. It's not everyone wants to completely immerse themselves into an environment and, and not see what's around them. Uh, and so as we start to see this kind of pass through and AR tech, uh, you know, get a lot more out there, we'll see, I think, a lot more people using it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, I think that's a great point about AR, right? And haptics, in my opinion, is going to be a key part of making sure that those experiences are interactable enough and tangible enough and compelling enough to get people to like really buy into them right uh what do you think the like ar haptic device like 1.0 is going to look like you know like in what ways are we going to be able to leverage haptics in some of these earlier ar use cases when we start to see hmds kind of being used a little bit more often Mm -hmm. I think with AR, what we're going to see is like a lot more push for like very lightweight um, and, and like low profile kinds of things. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, like like very small controllers and, and interaction devices that have, you know, really, really high quality vibrations and things to them. Um, I don't think we'll see like like VR haptic gloves on people walking down the street anytime soon, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. You know, one one thing that's kind of come up on our show in the past is... Um, the idea of, um, well, we, we talk about a lot of fringe stuff on Between Realities, ladies and gentlemen, and we've had plenty of conversations about things like BCI, you know, brain-computer interfacing and basically just like tricking the brain into experiencing something, which, you know, in our intro, Ben Lang from uh, Road to VR makes a great point about our brain kind of having this latent ability to do that through dreams. So VR is a way for us to basically like hijack that and you know, that's basically step one. But as we are looking forward to things like BCI, we can imagine that that will probably take the place of a virtual reality headset if and when we're able to pull it off in a way that actually works. So one of the questions that has come up recently when we were talking about haptics on the show was like, you know, which is going to happen first? Like the realistic, true realistic senses being brought like via hardware to VR or are we just going to get BCI to the point where we don't need haptic devices because the brain is like literally experiencing the thing um, what are your thoughts as I kind of explain that and talk about that 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much work to be done on either side, really. I mean, as far as the BCI stuff, if you could even, like, imagine that there is this, you know, hypothetical device that, you know, puts you in the matrix and it feels like you're just, like, in real life, uh, like, think about the ethical considerations for that. Like, what kind of things could someone be subjected to if they, you know, lose control of the... The, of the unity environment or whatever um but then even on like the the other end of the the non-bci side um like the human like the density of you know neurons that can actually you know feel different things it's it's so hard to build things that are that small that can you know touch all of those things and even like with force feedback um you know one of the difficulties that we run into is like uh you know when i grab something with a vr haptic glove and it, it pulls my fingers back um, but ultimately the thing that is pulling my finger back is attached to my hand. So you're going to feel like it's getting tightened somewhere. And, and that happens with all VR haptic gloves. That's, that's something that we have to deal with. And so there's always going to be challenges when you're building this kind of tech. Um, and I think I'm not really sure which one's going to beat the other, but I think either way, it's, it's going to be a long time until we have something that's like perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really will. And I like, uh, that you brought up like ethical concerns because obviously that's basically the biggest the like the the elephant in the room really when mm -hmm. it comes to the BCI conversation right like it, you know at what at what point are we playing God you know at what point do we lose our agency as individuals and you know is you know like to your point if what kind of things would we be subjected to if that situation came off the rails you know and uh, it's really interesting to think about you know it is and you know who's going to be thinking about it a lot is going to be like the generation after ours too yeah. right because because not only is there vr and ar and, and brain computer interfacing and all of this stuff but now there's also artificial intelligence coming in and it's um there's just a lot of ethical and um it's a lot of things to consider and a lot of things maybe to regulate and to figure out what to regulate and what not to and how to keep people safe and how to keep people from you know being the target of you know misinformation campaigns and in whatever the case may be um you know trying to to change people's opinions and and subject them to to the narrative that that you know people want to subject mm -hmm. subject them to so it's going to be an interesting future and um man i almost don't envy my kid you know, and I mean, what she's going to grow up in. It's interesting, though, because I feel like we, all of us, have been growing up in a time where we have seen different levels of that mm -hmm. throughout our lives. You know, like when the Internet is in everyone's homes, yep. that to me is like a, is a very similar type of situation. Right. There's a lot of ethical concerns there. Like now there are children around machines that can be, um, expose them to all kinds of stuff. Yep. You know, I went over to, uh, uh, I remember that. I can't remember the kid's full name, but I went over to Mike something's house. And I, when I was in like high school, you know, maybe I was in 10th grade or 11th grade or something like that. But I went over to homeboy's house and he was like one of the more troubled kids at the mm -hmm. school. You know, he's always getting in trouble and getting sent to the principal's office and stuff. But we had a few mutual interests and you know, I was a pretty good guy. And I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll kick it with this dude. So, uh, you know, we're playing like grand theft auto on the PlayStation 2, you know, so that puts it in the time period, which was absolutely amazing. Grand Theft Auto 3, so good. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I remember just, like, being on his computer and just, like, cruising around and clicking through stuff, and I found a video on his computer of, it was, like, from, like, World War II, and it was some soldier getting his head cut off with a knife. Wow. Yeah. And I can still see that. Like, yeah. right now. I can see the image 
of that thing. And I'm sure that that's happening in VR to people right now. Like imagine being a, you know, like a nine year old kid or a 10 year old kid and going into something like resident evil, you know, and like mm-hmm. getting a jump scare, some kind of experience of, of violence that like you can't, like you can't unring that bell. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I do feel yeah. like we've seen some la- some like levels of that as we've watched technology integrate into our lives more and more, um, especially with VR, like I just mentioned, but the BCI stuff really does take that to a completely oh, new yeah. level, you know, like at this point, yeah. I, I feel like I could get some therapy to maybe get me through the, the beheading video, but <laughs> you know, a BCI thing, like going off the rails or showing you something that you weren't ready for or whatever could, I mean, I don't know, kill you or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Melt your or, goddamn brain. You know, or, or convince you that you need to follow, you know, whatever Joe Blow company says to do, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, you know, there's just so many, there's so many things, but there's so many good things. Yeah. Right. You know, it's the duality thing, right? We're, we're, we're treading down some crazy waters and uh, there'll, there'll be so many good things, but there'll be so many bad things. And we just have to kind of try to steer down the middle there. And uh, hopefully there's passionate and smart people out there that are able to um, kind of steer this horse down the path that needs to go down. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, I, I look at I look at the progression over a year for artificial intelligence, and I see something growing so fast that I feel like you know, in order for like a law to change or something to come into play in the government for regulation, by the time they pass that, it's already surpassed that thing. It's already snowballed into something that's so next level, right? And like, so I think we're gonna just have to do some evolving here uh, as a species and as, you know, with different leaderships throughout the world. And um, mm-hmm. uh, it's all it's all really interesting. I, I'm so happy to be growing up in this time and living through this time in history. Tribe Grey Wolf in the chat and Jose hey. the VR tech in the chat. Heck yeah. Both also exposed and traumatized to that video. Oh, no kidding. I thought I was like, I, I've like never met anybody that I could like relate that story to. And they're like, yes, <laughs> I found it at a friend's house on LimeWire. Like, dude. No yeah, way. Same no thing. No way. Yeah, I saw that too. Wow. And I can still see I mean, that. I saw, I remember seeing stuff like that before the internet was even a thing. I remember going to a video rental store. Faces of death. Faces of death. <laughs> dude, you knew exactly where I was coming from. Oh my God. Pop that tape into the VCR and I will never, ever forget uh, the things that I was subjected to. Oh and that's so, God. So yeah. Well, anyway, wild. <laughs> on the topic of on the topic of of AI though, um, obviously it's becoming leveraged more and more and more every single day. There's a lot of people who are like, "Yes, I, AI, it's the real deal, it's the future." Some people are like, "No, AI, cancel it now, it's our downfall." Um, Lucas, what are your thoughts on uh, the current state of AI? Yeah. Um... That is one of those things that I mean the the rabbit hole goes so deep that I haven't I certainly haven't seen even a, a percentage of all of it but um, it, it is one of those things where I think when we start to combine these kinds of technologies um, I mean imagine you have a, an AI that can pretend to be a human not just in text speech but you know can mimic the voice and the the body language of a human inside of like VR chat for example. Um, it's something that's really exciting, also a little bit scary, um, but also one of those things where, like, imagine all the NPCs in in Skyrim. I, I saw a video where uh, there was, like, a chat GPT uh, engine powering all the NPCs in Skyrim. That's, like, could you imagine, like, playing a game as a kid and, like, you say something to an NPC and they say something back? 
like mind be crazy. That's nuts. And actually have a conversation and have them respond exactly to what you're talking about, not some generic pre, yep. pre you know, pre-programmed response. It's so cool. Uh, yeah, Genghis made a video on that. There's been a lot of videos going around where people are plugging ChatGPT in Skyrim, and even even the Unreal Engine Five demo of the Matrix, uh, walking around the city and all of the NPCs of backstories and different accents and different heritage, and they all respond differently to you. It's it's so crazy, man. It is crazy. And for the record, just a quick little shout out to some friends of ours at the Meta Movie. If you go do Alien Rescue in Neos, the, put on by the Meta Movie, you can like buy a movie ticket to see mm-hmm. Alien Rescue. That is the experience you get. But it's not AIs that are responding to you. It's actors. Yes. Like you are in a room with a bunch of actors playing characters in your story. And there's like there's combat there's like decision making that you have to do mm-hmm. and people who are like starting conversations with me and they are totally riffing off of how you're reacting to them so you can get an experience like that now by checking out the meta movie and alien rescue um but i remember being in there and first of all i was blown away like i literally can't Same. recommend it enough it Same. is so absolutely so fun, so fun. um I, I felt like i felt special because there was like it was like I'm in the, in the like the the nucleus of of an atom, and like everything was like ro- rotating around me, you know. And it mm-hmm. was like such a cool experience. Um, but while I was there, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be such a short lived era of entertainment yeah. and theater because it's only a matter of time before the AIs completely replace actors. Like yep. you're not going to need an actor, someone who you are paying to be in a headset in there with you when an AI can emulate. To Lucas's point, just gestures and mannerisms, voice, coming up with with new responses based off of what you're saying on the fly. Um, there's a little latency right now in like the Skyrim plugin, but we all know that that's going away. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? oh yeah, it absolutely is. And if you go to like Eleven Labs, which is an amazing voice synthesis AI site, you can replicate anyone's voice in about a minute. Um, you can scroll through a million different voices. Um, you know, there, there are so many things happening, uh, where it's just going to be a different future Yeah, a decade from now. It's going to be, we're going to look back on today and be like, Oh my God. And I've wow. said this a million times, dude, but for me, the most exciting aspect of this stuff is immersive technology like mm-hmm. VR being combined with procedurally generated content and fed information from biometric data. Because if there's a experience that is being generated procedurally and is being influenced by my biometrics and I'm immersed in it, then I can be inside a world that like knows if I'm bored, knows if I'm scared or not, knows how much fun I'm having and can change based off of that information. Um, would you play that game, Lucas? I mean, totally. It would be, I think, very interesting to be in an experience that is isolating yet also um social in the sense that you have this this presence with you you know these these not exactly humans but you're in a game that nobody else has experienced before because it's a game that is has been tuned exactly to what things you like and nobody else um like i i would totally play that um but also it would be so interesting to think about like how fleeting that is like okay i just played a game that nobody else in the world has played and a human never touched like it'd be, it'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it definitely would be. And maybe I mean, you're playing it right now. Well, yeah, that's a fun conversation too, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it is wild because at some point I imagine that all of this will get good enough that it will be either ing- indistinguishable or, or as good or better 
than experiencing it in real life, right? Like, why, like, I wonder in what ways we will remain human, you know? Like, mm -hmm. like if, if these things get that good at emulating us, and when I can go into a VR experience, I'm having a conversation, I, if I cannot tell whether or not that is a human or not, like, I guess it don't, it don't, it doesn't matter until the point where like, I'm like trying to share space with that person, like a real yeah. human space. Right? Well, there's this companies right now trying to do something about that. Uh, there's a lot of weird things kind of in the back end, but open AI has an identity token that they are trying to push because they know soon you will not be able to tell. Yeah. The difference between an AI and a human being. And uh, so having a token associated with that person to to be able to tell you if you're dealing with a person or not is going to be huge. OpenAI is also also has a robot they're debuting with full chat GPT and voice synthesis built in uh, that can walk around and do things around your house and, and you know, run run things in warehouses. And it's pretty wild stuff, man. And we are definitely in uh, down this fast road um of just really cool and crazy things and i mean i, I can see this being i mean this is a whole can of worms really but mm. like i'm imagining like um you know there's like guys in japan who have like virtual girlfriends right now mm -hmm. you know they're yep. like and it's not really even driven by like a powerful strong ai that's like yep. actually reacting to them you know but they like form relationships with inanimate objects because they're lonely and they want this yep. desire to connect with stuff and People from the outside watching that thing, they're like, uh, that's weird. Okay. No. <laughs> you know, but he is like, yo, leave me alone. Yep. I'm chilling. I'm good, you know? And I'm wondering, like, is that an ethical concern or, or a, a moral concern at all? Like, what do you think, Lucas? Do you have any thoughts on, like, adapt, like, connecting with technology in such an intimate way that, like, we have, we replace needing someone else in our lives for it? I guess if it's one thing if you know that it's a human or that it's not a human, and it's another thing if you had no idea, right? Um, so, like, the the fact that we that people need to connect to inanimate objects, um, I think does does say a lot. But um, you know, if you think about the next the next generation of this, is people connecting with AIs not knowing that they're AIs, and that mm -hmm. that would be pretty pretty interesting. That I've I think we can all agree is not good no right definitely like, i think we can all agree that if i get a phone call from an ai pretending to be my brother and explaining that he's in an emergency and he needs me to send him some money or, or well that's a scam say, happening right now yeah exactly yeah. yeah we can all agree that that's that's yep. messed up yeah. but what about like a willing participant just foregoing human interaction and contact and replacing it with technology yeah like, any problem with that like like without um without disclosing no uh, yeah no everybody knows what's going on okay uh, in, including like you know his friends he's like yeah dude i got a i got a girl she's she's an ai she's oh awesome. well you know i just actually it's funny you bring this up because i watched a thing on youtube d during my ai rabbit hole ventures here i watched a thing on youtube where there are apps right now where people have ai boyfriends and girlfriends right and and they interact with these these bots like they would a loved one you know and it's it's pretty wild to see i mean it's interesting because if you think about like like people that are replacing the current people in their lives with ai because 
because maybe they're you know they're less likely to push back on any of their beliefs or or you know or have you know can pretend to have the same things in common but then it's i feel like it's completely different if that person doesn't have anyone maybe maybe their parents died off they don't have any siblings they have no cousins uncles or aunts they're alone in the world you know maybe they don't have maybe they're not very good socially and they just don't have any friends you know will will it help them get through life to be able to conversate and be able to kind of interact with someone that is human-like, be able to exchange information and ideas. Um, you know, I, th I think they're two different beasts, but then there's also everything in between. So, uh, man, I, I don't even know. What a, what a I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Like this stuff is actually yeah. happening. Yeah. We're living now. in the, we're living in the future. Yeah. Pretty wild, pretty wild. But you know, one of the things that that I kind of want to bring this back to your gloves. One of the things that that I was thinking about is they, you know, the the new robots by by OpenAI uh, will also have a telepresence mode where you can put on a VR headset and you can and someone can control them remotely. But um, being able to use gloves like yours could be an absolutely huge thing in the future because you're going to need to be able to have very granular control over over all kinds of different things being able to go somewhere and maybe on the other side of the world and like play piano or something right that'd be sick and mm -hmm. being able to use gloves like that um would be pretty amazing have you considered um eventually the tech that you're building being used in scenarios like that yeah i mean telepresence i think is one of those things that's i think only becoming more and more important uh you know we went through a whole pandemic where you know you couldn't go fly and see loved ones that you have across the you know the world or whatever um and i think that's one of those things that like if that ever happens again like you know knock on wood but like we'll be ready if it does um and haptics i think is going to be one of the most important parts of that is if you want to have a shared experience with someone that is not physically there with you i mean talk about like long distance relationships whatever um or if you're doing say like remote work say you're like you're like a surgeon and in the middle of a hurricane you can't drive to the hospital to save this you know person that's in an emergency so you control a robot that does it like i think those are all going to be like big questions and also like big solutions that we're going to be looking at like very soon. What a cool concept, right? Because there are, there, there are not enough talented, highly trained surgeons and, in, in you know, things like that where there are a limited amount of those things and being able to control things from across a very long distance to give access to those types of services to people all over the place that have a good internet connection. Uh, could just be revolutionary. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty wild because telepresence right now is is already a thing. Mm -hmm. It's already a thing, and it's becoming more of a thing as as you know, things like the OpenAI robot and the Tesla bot and all of these things are, are slowly starting to um, to see the light of day. So it's right. pretty wild. Well, and a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, we're like we're like seeing the first manifestations of it and like kind of understanding where it's going to go. Um, but, you know, we have people like Kent Bai in our community who mm -hmm. are like actively trying to get ahead of the issues. Like they like want to be, to Lucas's point, ready. So when push comes to shove, we have like a framework for how we can kind of approach some of the ethical decisions or ethical dilemmas that we find ourselves facing. And I'm wondering, Lucas, is there anything that you think is like really pressing that we should probably be paying attention to that like if we don't get ahead of it could be a big problem in the space right now like what do you think is like the primary ethical dilemma or concern that we should be getting ahead of if anything 
I, I guess I guess the the first one that comes to mind is like as far as infrastructure goes, like it's going to be one of those things that, um, you know, especially as as uh, you know, streamed VR starts becoming a, a bigger thing, game streaming. Uh, but even like with this telepresence kind of thing, like that's something that's only going to work in areas that have really really low latency internet, right? Um, and that's one of those things that like yeah, if you live in a place that's you know, fortunate enough to have all the infrastructure to do that. You live in a, you know, developed country and, and all of that. That's amazing. But if you're in somewhere that hasn't had the chance to catch up, it's that's going to be one of those things that, you know, puts people at a big disadvantage. That's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what Max Noir was talking about on our episode last week. Yeah. Saying that, like, it's about, like, setting up this infrastructure of just, like, the basics, you know? Because, yeah. like, not everybody has high-speed internet. Like, yeah. we need high-speed internet before we can have telerobotic presence or, yeah. you know, yeah. any yeah. of that stuff. Well, our planet is now completely um, encompassed by satellites. And uh, so hopefully hopefully we'll be able to get internet to, to people uh, more and more. The, the more we grow this infrastructure, um, the more things like this are, are going to evolve and the more all of these services will be able to come to everyone. I mean, we're now in a place where you could be out in the middle of the desert in, in, in Egypt somewhere, mm-hmm. right? And if you have the right equipment, you can get an internet connection. So that's pretty wild, you know? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the infrastructure thing is an absolute must. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're getting about we're getting yeah. about ready to wrap this thing up here. Um but what has uh, is is there anything that's been unsaid here Lucas, you know? Is there any topic that is important that we didn't touch on or anything that you think that we all really need to know about you, about VR, about the landscape, about your projects? Um just giving you a chance to give us one more thing before we uh wrap this up. One more thing. Love it. Uh yeah, I would say um I would say the big thing, I think, you know, the biggest challenge that I've been tackling for years is trying to increase accessibility for a lot of these new technologies that are coming out. Um, You know, the one I've been tackling specifically is VR haptic gloves. I mean, there's so many companies out there that have made these gloves, uh, you know, really inspiring technology, but haven't been able to get them out to the average consumer or or even tailor them to to the average person's uses, average person's price point. Um, and that's why I have been looking at, you know, building these gloves for, you know, so much cheaper. And I think I, I think we're actually getting to a really interesting point in the VR industry where there's so many of these amazing DIY projects that are popping up from, you know, people that are impatient. Uh, you know, just to name a few, Slime VRs, Full Body Tracking, Finally Functionals VR Shoes, um, you know, Standable Full Body Tracking. There's so many of these amazing projects out there. And, you know, I couldn't even, like, list them all because, you know, everyone's doing really amazing stuff. And... The DIY VR revolution is happening. Heck yeah. Do you see a point where you think you could get, uh, maybe you or someone else could get technology like this built, pre-built and sent out uh, efficiently, cost efficiently to, to people that maybe don't have time or are intimidated by building these things themselves? Um, you know, where I could go, you know, someday you could go on Amazon and get a, a $40 or a $60 set of haptic gloves. I think it would be really cool. The only thing that's really missing is the infrastructure for more people to be able to use the gloves. Not everyone has access to PC VR. Um, and say if it worked with all the quests that are out there, um, you know, there would be enough critical mass of people willing to to get, get their hands on them to be able to get them to people, you know, fairly cheaply. 
I love it. What steps yep. should someone take if they are just bought into this whole thing? They're like, okay, yep, Lucas is my dude. I'm following him now. I want to be a part of this. Um, how, how does someone get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So first thing is I would definitely say join the Discord, um, which is probably going to be in the description. Um, that's the best way to really have people help you get the gloves working, how to get them started. Um, and then on YouTube, I have lots of tutorials teaching you how to build each of the prototypes and uh, all the steps that you need to do that. Perfect. I don't think I have the Discord in there, but Lucas, if you ping me after the show at the Discord uh, invite, I will put it in the description so people can find it more easily. Um, but all of the social media links and all of that for Lucas is in the description. There's a couple of them on the screen right below me as well. So please make sure you go and uh, and, and click and follow Lucas so you can kind of see all of the places where, where all of this goes because it's really exciting stuff. Super inspiring indeed. Lucas VR Tech brother thank you for everything thank you for your contributions to the space and thank you for joining us on the show today and allowing us to pick your brain man we're big fans and uh we are following along every step of the way dude we really appreciate you yeah thank you so much for having me on board the ship i mean this was amazing so glad you enjoyed it please don't be a stranger and uh let us know when you've got an update and uh we'll, we'll bring you back on one of these days all right everybody say goodbye to lucas Bye, Lucas. Bye. Bye. And, and he's there gone. he goes. Wow. That was awesome. Yeah. But it that always was great, is, man. isn't it? It really is. <laughs> it really is. It's, uh, man, it's just so cool. Uh, just to see what people in this community are doing and fueled by passion, you know? No, you know, Lucas isn't getting rich off of these right. gloves, yet he's working so hard to make something so awesome for everyone to be able to, to you know, to grab that maybe could never ever even try a set of of haptic gloves yep you know now they can affordably build them so it's just amazing yeah so cool. it is awesome and you know also shout out to uh the passionate community members that are here with yeah, us you know absolutely you got mickey baron and pd just like dropping codes in the chat during oh, the conversation like it's, it's yeah. just, just great you know <laughs> it really is amazing um, so thank you all for joining us you know we really appreciate having such an amazing uh virtual reality community and even within that a between realities community you know the between realities community is growing stronger every day and it is a true pleasure to be doing all of this with you guys it's amazing yeah it really is it we is. love you guys yeah we really do you know and just quickly just blasting through a few of these chatty and jay brat wannabe spaceman master cool jose the vr tech kensi gaming red slash ace hussein x rena xr 0619 and wire whiz dj figura that's a, that's my best try there mizu vr and duggars k and snow toad um standable up in here uh, PD, like I said earlier, and Magical Sleeper was up in here. Thomas McNostrel. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. We really appreciate your support. Thank you all for being here. This, this just wouldn't be as fun to do the show without everyone in chat. Yep. Really appreciate you guys. Yep. All right. So, Skiva, yes. break it down. Yes. Next week, we have, not next week, I'm sorry. Next week, we will not be here. We will be doing the Game On Expo in Phoenix, Arizona, bringing VR to people that maybe have never tried it before or widening their uh, VR perspective with all different kinds of headsets. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, but the following week, we will be back with Rick Scarbez of Latrobe University. And um, Alex, maybe you can tell us about rick i think he, i yeah. think you booked rick. yeah yeah you know we often coin this show as uh 
the VR podcast from the philosophical gamers perspective. Yes. And Rick is studying VR and relationships to philosophy at La Trobe University. Smart dude does talks on this kind of stuff. And that episode will definitely be like a brain. Nice. Fodger. I'm stoked. Yeah. I yeah. can't wait. I, I, I just man i just love getting into it man you know it's it's awesome i love talking about games i love talking about tech and i love talking about the philosophy behind all of this stuff so i feel like that's going to be like a quintessential well, and i really appreciate when we have somebody who comes at it from an academic perspective yeah you know because i'm over here like hitting a joint being like oh man dude vr is the future it's reality bro <laughs> you know and like it doesn't land always land as well it's yeah. like if it's yeah. coming from somebody who's like really delivering it yeah. from this like academic perspective mm -hmm. and can use the language that's necessary to convey the actual yep. thing right absolutely so i'm really really excited to have this episode um but it will be in two weeks so yes uh i guess if you're coming to phoenix for game on expo we'll see you soon yeah you know absolutely this week and uh and if not keep keep watching our socials because we will be posting about game on and some of the things we're doing and you'll kind of get a peek into um you know the different the setups that we're, we're bringing to people and you know between psvr2 and and the quest 2 and the htc you know vive xr elite and the pimax crystal and uh, just all of these headsets we're going to be allowing the public to play with and if you go to the game on expo we are not charging anyone extra to do this it's all included in the price of the ticket so um, awesome. when you go into germany the germany i leave on the 18th the day after uh, a between realities episode so we'll talk about that then and then i think uh i think i'll only miss one episode i'm trying to get home right before an episode um to minimize my time away from all of these amazing people yeah in chat don't right don't don't mess that up. No, all right, not happening. We need you. There's, there's many, uh, many, many hours of travel involved, but I will be back in time. Uh, you know, and I will be over in the UK as well. I'm going from Germany to London. We're going to take a high speed train over to London, then fly home from London. So if you are in our community and you're in London, we're gonna have a, a little organized meetup over there nice. of all the people over in on that side of the pond too that we don't usually get to um, to see in person. So it's gonna be awesome. Word, yeah. daddy duty this weekend? Yes, daddy duty for me this weekend. Sweet. Um, so yeah. I, uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna try to take up Jay Dunn on his invite to get into Horizon Worlds tonight. Nice. So if you haven't Very tried cool. Super Rumble yet, uh, join our Discord in the link below, check out the multiplayer list and I'll, I'll put a ping in there if and when I'm able to get in there tonight. Um, anything else? I think that's gonna do it, man. That's that. I can't yeah. believe it's gonna be two weeks until our next episode. I know. That feels like a million years. I know. Well, I know for real. We miss but you guys it's for the already. love of VR. It is indeed. Yeah. We, we miss you guys. We love you all. Have a wonderful week and and following week. Maybe we'll see you at Game On Expo, and if not, we will see you in two weeks with uh, Rick from Latrobe University. Okay. Yeah. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye bye.